We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me at. We've done this a million times. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and at CKID206. All right. The preseason is done. Uh, thank, thank you, baby Jesus. Um, I was, we needed to get through that. Uh, we will talk about... The preseason, and I think roster cuts are coming up. Did not think I know roster cuts are coming up this week, so we'll get into all of that. Um, we will start a little bit on last night because uh, we got a lot of great Twitter questions. Thank you guys for uh, submitting them. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, they range from everything to music to depth chart stuff to you know uh, just a little bit of everything. So that 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 was fun. Um, let's, let's I'm gonna throw it to you first because we're gonna talk about first from that the game yesterday. I would think. For one, the beat down of the Broncos, the, the, or no, Broncos, uh, the, the Los Chargers. Angeles Chargers. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it was just complete flip to the script. Like yeah, it went from losing thirty to three to skunking another team. I would say the big storyline is Pete not playing any starters. No big name guys were out there, and I think that's a positive sign going forward. Especially when you look at what you want from the Seahawks, whether you're a fan, journalist, whatever the case may be knowing that Pete said, it's not worth it. I want to see these guys week one. I'll take the rust. I'm sure Russ can figure it out in a matter of minutes if he's really coming out there and he's that rusty. I'm sure Jamal Adams, he can figure it out. I'm sure Bobby Wagner, I'm sure all these guys will understand the flow of the game and it might be ugly for a minute or two, but after a while, things will start to come together and they're in season form and it all comes together. So I was happy to say, oh, Charters aren't playing any starters, which we knew about from maybe a month ago to Pete saying, all right, I'm not going to play any of my starters, any of the big time stars. We did see a killer with a spoon out there who was going back and forth with the position battle at cornerback. But for the most part, no Chris Carson and Mike story, you wrote down all the players that weren't playing. And I want to say it was like 18 starters, 21 starters that were not. Yeah. Playing. Everyone, everyone counts them. I don't, I don't, I don't count them. I just <laughs> name, I them. just list them. Yeah. It's like the number doesn't matter as long as, you know, as long as I'd list the people. So yeah, that was pretty big in my opinion. 
outside uh, of the game itself. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's very smart. And his answer basically was like, "Yeah, we learned last year that our guys actually aren't that rusty if they don't play preseason games." <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that explicitly, but he was like, "Yeah, we learned some stuff last summer that informed our behavior this year." And it was like, "Yes, we learned what we've been saying. Your football <laughs> players will be good at football even if they don't play football the whole time. Like your practices will be good enough." And I thought that for a while. Like rust, like you mentioned, there may be rust. Falcons game, no rust. They were fine. You know, I mean, sure, guys made they made some mistakes, but like they were up like 30, 20 in that game. The Falcons stink, but it, Russ wasn't airmailing passes and stuff like that. It's like <laughs> you know, you know what's really it. So I'll put it. I'll put it this way. It's probably be my best way I can illustrate this on the Rust thing or whatever. On the first play, so they have preseason games in twenty eighteen, right? The first play of the twenty eighteen regular season against Denver was a sack. 2020, no preseason. The first play of the 2020 season against the Falcons, a sack, right? Like, <laughs> I swear, <laughs> they're both sacks. Uh, I forget who sacked Russ each time on those. But, like, you, the good plays are going to happen, bad plays are going to happen. I don't think Rust, for the guys that sat, will be a thing. For Puna, Carlos. Like, Carlos is, like, in, what, you're, like, 10 or something like that, 11? Like, it, it'll be fine. Bobby will be fine. Russ will be fine. I mean, you can perhaps worry about it with someone like uh, – actually, no, because there weren't even second-year guys that – like, even Jordan Brooks played. So, like, even your guys who – you know, Damian Lewis played last night. So, yep. you're even playing second-year guys at this point. So, you're really only resting guys who are in year three and higher. And those dudes got it. They got it. You think DK needs to play against the Chargers backups to get right? No, man, he got it. He's good. He's going to run. He's going to – Catch Turn his head. Russ is going to throw to him. He's going to catch it. Hopefully, right? Like he's probably going to score. Like that's just—he's he, got it. That I, Pete, the light bulb came on. Good for Pete. He needed that light bulb to come on. Uh, yes, last year did it, and it should do it for a lot of coaches, to be honest. But I mean, that's not our concern. But yeah, for the Seahawks, that's yeah, that's uh, obvious to me. Before we get into the game itself, when do you think a lot more teams will start realizing that they shouldn't play any starters, and then maybe in like five years? There won't be a preseason. It'll be like college football. We just kick off the season, or we'll never get to that point, you think? I think we'll always have preseason games because um, it, the difference between college and the NFL is, yeah, the, there are guys fighting for roster spots. You need to find out who's who. So I do think there's value in the preseason. I mean, Russ won his job in the preseason, right? Like, that that ha- you need those games for some some position battles. And, like, yeah, they played some guys who will be starters. You know, Kello, they played Daryl Taylor, who's probably going to start. Like, this, they played some – uh, played some dudes. Like I, I, I get it. To say, Will Disley played yesterday. Joe never played yesterday. Uh, so I get it to some extent. But I do think that once teams get more data on the impact of uh, not having your starters in the preseason, like if Justin Herbert doesn't come out here and stink, then the Chargers are going to keep doing that, right? Like that's just how it works. And I think they're probably going to see more joint practices uh, where you can control the environment, not put a lot of your stuff on film. Um, like why put, put stuff on film. Like let's say I do a bunch of concepts and schemes on offense and a joint practice with the chargers. Well, the only person who has the film of that is the chargers, Right. Yep. So it's not like I put it out there for everyone, um, That's true. which is what you do in a preseason game. The downside, of course, is you can't tackle to the ground uh, and tackling is you need to practice that. I think uh, for a lot of people, especially young guys uh, coming from college, who haven't tackled in a little bit is tackled guys at this size and that speed. That's a downside to joint practices and special teams. You can't get a good feel for your kick returners, your punt returners, uh, and special teams and stuff like that. Uh, and you can't 
you can't really see how your quarterback deals with pressure that well in uh, a joint practice because they can't hit your quarterbacks. But other than that, I think there's some value to joint practices and teams are going to just like do the cost benefit on those, do the joint practices and then like rest their guys in preseason. That'll be my thought. I bet you that's going to be the trend going forward. Uh, and even what John Snyder said on radio yeah. prior to the game, he's like, yo, we might see some joint practices. One week after Pete was like, ah, I'm not on the joint practice bag. So they need to get on the same page there. I read the actually about that last night. It was like, well, we just heard you. I just asked Pete about joint practices last Friday. Yep. And then he's like, nah, not my bag. John Snyder a week later. Yeah, I'm going to do some joint practices next year. What the hell? Which one of you guys is in charge? They got to they figure, figure that out. I was very confused when I saw I didn't listen to the radio show because I was stuck in traffic trying to get into the game. But I saw the tweets about it. And I'm like, what? That's weird. What junk snatter is this? <laughs> yeah, that, that was weird. Uh, but I, I'm down for some joint practices. If oh, I, I know you are. I know you are. I want to. I want joint selfishly. Dang, we haven't talked about the game really. I selfishly want joint practices either with the Chargers. You can't practice against a division opponent. I don't think you shouldn't do that. Uh, oh man, I want to see Aaron Donald live right there. That'd be nice. You, you can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't practice against teams in your division. It should be like AFC teams or something like that. Vegas, uh, joint practices in Vegas, uh, and then, uh, yeah, Chargers. There's your team. Yeah, they just kind of do those every year. You know, you get an annual uh, August trip to L.A., annual August trip to Vegas, or maybe they'll come out here one or, once or twice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with the joint practice thing. I just thought that was funny. That, yeah, Pete's like, nah, and then John's like, yeah. I'm like, what? What are we doing here, guys? Ain't your offices next to each other? Y'all don't talk. <laughs> Something let's, right. It got the the wires crossed in, in the uh, preseason. Well, let's get into this actual preseason game. Let's start with, I guess, the defense. I thought for one, the energy was. How do I phrase this? Because I don't want to say they didn't have any energy in the last two preseason games, but it just felt different, just from the snap. Just watching how they're moving, communicating. Hell, they scored a touchdown between with Marquise Blair. I guess it was an interception, or was it a fumble? They called it a fumble. I I thought that was interesting, too. I think they called Tony it a Parker fumble. Got into yeah. the back on a blitz. Then nobody touched him. Marquise Blair was coming to hit, and then, whoop, ball's there. Marquise picks it up or catches it, ends up scoring a touchdown. That was – the defense was – they were they – they arrived. What you wanted to see in the past two preseason games that you really didn't get to see, you really got to see on Saturday against the Los Angeles Chargers, and I'm sure – a lot of people are probably feeling a little bit, a little bit more confident in Cody Barton. We talked about it off wax. You literally said, you know, he can, he can run fast and he can hit. So those are two things that's probably gonna keep him on the field, which is why he's on special teams, which is also a good thing. And if something would happen to Bobby, he can come in and run and hit. I'm not sure that he can run a defense and be the voice, but he can definitely come in and tackle guys for a loss, get to the quarterback, which wouldn't be a bad thing. Hopefully, knock on wood, you don't have to worry about anything with, with. Bobby Wagner, but that was good seeing some of the backups getting some play. Marquise Blair, he looks 100% healthy, confident. I think he had a couple of snaps, a couple of few tackles, big hits on incomplete passes. So he was being his physical self. But it was it was fun to watch these guys get around, fly around the ball. Offensively, one guy that stood out to me was Alex Collins. He was making a lot of stuff out of nothing. <laughs> but he had a lot of touches, a lot of carries. He's definitely fighting for that backup spot. And I think he's definitely in the conversation. So what did you think of the the overall night on Saturday? Um, 
I I got the there for the time for the food uh, this time, so that was good. Because uh, I didn't I didn't show up to like if people notice I didn't have any preseason or pregame tweets. I was stuck in traffic for like an hour outside. So they got off the freeway. I got off the freeway at like six and get in the building for like six fifty. Mm. Crazy crazy traffic right outside the stadium. Anyway, I uh, got there in time for the food. I had a chicken salad. I had a curry chicken salad croissant sandwich. That's that a was lot. That, I was it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, it was good, very good. Uh, so that, that started the night. I was frustrated by the traffic, and then by the time I got there and there was still food, I was like, "This is good." I'm having a good, having having a good day. Uh, the defense did look better, uh, though. I think some of that is probably a product of playing backups. backups. Yeah, uh, they didn't look as good last time because they were playing against starters. starters. Um, so <laughs> that's like it. the The difference between starters and backups in the NFL is stark. Like it, it is. It's very noticeable um particularly up front and the o-lines when you are playing a backup o-line you can tell there was a play yesterday um on the seahawks side where i'm pretty sure they snapped the ball and only one dude blocked maybe two guys and gino ended up taking a sack because i think for i think they snapped the ball phil Haynes didn't move and jamarco didn't move and then another guy, Jamarco Jones, left tackle. Another guy didn't move, and Gino just gets pummeled. Uh, or he, I think he got rid of it, but he got hit hard. He, he ran. He was out of there. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like backups. You know, like there's, there's a, there's, that's why guys get paid so much, because their value above the dude that they would be replaced with is very low. Uh, or very high, excuse me. Uh, and so, like, the difference between Quandre Diggs and – Ugo and Marquise and Ashari Crosswell is very is very high. That's why they should play Quandre. Um, the difference between Russ and Gino is very high. That's why they should play. That's why they paying Russ a gazillion dollars. Uh, but I did like to play from Cody uh, and Marquise. Um, I don't the Cody. This is not necessarily due to yesterday. The Cody's an interesting one for me. I asked him last week. I said, "Did you expect to be starting by year three? I know the answer to that because he told me um, in year one when he. When, and when he would expect to start. Uh, and I knew he wanted to start by year three. And he was like, yeah, but it's okay, basically is what he said. And it's like, man, that is – what was Cody? We might have talked about this before. He's like the 88th pick in that draft. Um, I can double check and look it up for I think you. He was a, pretty sure he's a th- – I think Marquise was like pick 50, Marquise Blair, and then Cody was like pick 88, something like that. They're both, they're both day two picks out of Utah um, in the same draft. And, like, Cody is, like, really on schedule to just, like, go his whole – rookie contract without starting <laughs> that's oh. uh yeah that's not great um and not to say that's cody's fault or anything but i just you're right third ultra- round 88 yeah the 88th pick so i think that's like a poor use of resources there and we'll, like I, I i say that to say that we probably will go cody's entire rookie contract without knowing how good he is and that's I mean, when you have Jordan and Bobby, like, I get it. But, like, I think, like, if you're going to take guys at 88, they should they should play. They should be starting by year three. Like, for context or comparison purposes, Sha- Shaquille Griffin was picked 90, started for four years. Right? Like, that's – and it was, like, a, a decent start. Yeah, so I thought, like, when, when, I, when I asked Cody that because that was on my mind. And seeing him yesterday do, make the play – He's got three, he had three sacks in the preseason, all on blitzes. He's a good blitzer um, coming in that A gap uh, or B gap, wherever he's coming from. He's good. Uh, one of the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see Marquise, too. I do think uh, on defense, I got one thing on defense. Um, 
because we'll talk about Daryl Taylor. He's in the questions. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to him. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. One thing that's not in the questions was a uh, talk much about Akello and uh, the left cornerback battle, both outside cornerback battles. Essentially, I think are pretty settled. DJ Reed didn't play yesterday, um, but I think that was like a precautionary thing. There was a couple guys who didn't play yesterday. Who was like, if this was a real game, we'd have played you, but it's not, so we're not. I think Cedric Bowie was like that. Ethan Posick, um, DJ Dallas, people know he did not play. Uh, Travis Homer, same thing. All those guys was like, well, if this was a real game, we probably could have put you out there. So, um, Akello, uh, DJ, I think Demarius Randall started the game. And then they yeah. were alternating every series. It was Demarius, then Akello. Demarius, then Akello at left cornerback. Right cornerback was essentially Trey Flowers because DJ didn't play. That battle was done, I think. I think DJ has got that. And I think Akello has got the left side. I don't know what that means for Demarius, but I think Akello's got the left side. So your starting corners are, as I would thought, after the first day of training camp, Akello Witherspoon and DJ Reed. And I know like that doesn't sound great to a lot of people. I understand. I do say that I'm not as worried about the cornerback spot as everyone else. I, I think that a full year of DJ is better in totality than what they got out of 16 games of that position last year. Because at 16 games of that position last year, what do they get starters from? They got starts from Trey Flowers, Quentin, Quentin Dunbar, and DJ Reed. Like if you take the if you were to give like a PFF grade to just all of them in totality. It was low. It was lower than what I would expect this year of DJ, the I, whole year. Yeah. Yes. Um, especially because I mean, we've asked guys when you get a year of tra- you get training camp and off season with your team, and then you get to play with them, it makes the world of difference. Like Quandre talked a lot about that when we had him on the show. You just when you get that lead up, it makes a big difference. So let's, let's say just I'll throw an, I'll put a number on it to really drive the point home. Let's say last year's PFF or a grade on the right cornerback spot. All three guys who started there was like a 67 out of 100. This year, I think it'll probably probably be like a 77, right? It's better. Let's say last year, left cornerback in totality with Shaquille. Who started there last year? Shaquille, just DJ? There was only two? Yeah, that was it. Those two. DJ was all over the field, yeah. Yeah, in totality, let's say that was like a 79. That might be like a 70 now. Actually, I think so, Quentin but, might have been over there too, though, right? I don't remember if Quentin started at left cornerback last year. He was hurt Shaquille, so much. Shaquille got banged up once. He got hurt against the Cardinals in the first Cardinals I'm game. I'm pretty sure uh, Quentin was over there, and then they put DJ Reed on the right side, if I'm not mistaken, for that game. But continue. Yeah, so... Oh, Quentin did start there against the Bills. That's okay. right. Oh, yeah. That's when he was on, that. he was on one leg. One that leg, was, yeah, that's they right. Shouldn't okay. have, they shouldn't have put him out there like that. That was That was... I know bad. I couldn't want it to play. That was that was bad. That was bad. Bad coaching. Don't put him out there like that. And but uh, especially against Josh Allen, Jesus, he was killing it. Uh, my, so that's right. Okay, so let's take the left cornerback side and say it was like a seventy-nine last year in totality. All three. Like I think it'll be it, it'll drop, but I think they dropped on one side, got better on the other side. So I think it's a wash. So like if you if you whatever you thought about the cornerback spot last year, if you're like, oh, it sucked, then it's like, oh well, then yeah, you're probably in for similar production this year. Or if you're like, oh, it was fine and you know, you know, I think you're in for similar production. Or if you thought, oh, it was great, especially at the end of the year when Shaq and DJ were the two outside guys, um, you're like, oh, you'll probably get something similar in totality. They're going to give up plays. They're going to make some great ones. Um, the, the key will be keeping those guys healthy uh, and having them be consistent. Um, the other thing I want to point out 
is I do think and I'm staying with cornerbacks. You know, I love corners because uh, that's just my it's my new favorite sure group bag. to study. Yeah, it's my new favorite group to study. I don't know. I'm, I I know receivers pretty well. I think too, but um, when he gets an opportunity this year or whatever, I have a feeling Trey will be ready. Trey Brown, that is. I just get that sense. He seems like that guy. When I watch him, when I talk to him, he just seems like he's going to be ready when his number's called. It reminds me of, uh, we talked about this on the radio. Shout out to everyone who listened to us on KJR last week. Uh, Sherman, Richard Sherman didn't play until like week seven, his rookie year or something like that, against the Bengals because uh, Marcus Schufan got hurt. And I want to say like Walter Thurman got hurt in like back-to-back weeks. And it was like, all right, 25, you're up. We're playing the Bengals this week. Um, and he was ready. Like he had a he had a he had a deflection that led to interception. I think he had an interception himself. He called Andy Dalton good and called AJ Green mediocre. Uh or said he was a scrub. No, he said he was just a lot of like height and bad routes or something like that. Like he was on he was on AJ's head. Well he was my point is as a rookie, when thrown in there, he was ready. Uh I get that feel from Trey. I don't know when that'll be. Maybe it's this year because of injury or whatever, but I think He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to be a rookie. But I think it'll be like uh, – it'll probably be similar to when Shaq and Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers played as rookies where you were just like, oh, he looks like he belongs. Like, not like super outstanding right now. Just like he's out there and he's doing his thing and, like, we can we can get it done with him. Kind of how I felt about Jordan Brooks last year when he finally got into the uh, lineup and was healthy around, like, week seven. It was like, oh, he he belongs. He belongs. And then I expect a bigger jump next year. So I'm trying to sell optimism on the corners, Chris. I hope people are selling, are buying what I'm selling. I'm trying. I think you're doing a good job of it. I Akello's gonna make his mistakes. DJ Reed's gonna go up against bigger receivers. He's gonna get more opportunities. He's gonna get challenged more. It's challenged a, yin a lot. It's a yin and yang with this situation here. You're not able to bring back Shaquille Griffin, who was your number one corner for three plus years. You built the relationship with the defensive line. Everyone knows their knows their spots. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of mistakes, but I do like what the Seahawks did at cornerback. They did what they could, and I think they did a, a decent, jo- a good job with going out and getting a killer with this one who has a lot to prove. Sticking with DJ Reed, who proved a lot, and giving him an opportunity to start with this defense. And the defensive line was the biggest concern probably for a lot of people, and they have turned that into a monster. And having a good pass rush, it might hide a little mistake. It's not going to hide big ones, but it may hide little things where someone gets beat. Well, you know, it didn't matter because Carlos Dunlap was in the backfield. It didn't matter because uh, Kerry Hyder was back there. Those are things that I'm interested in seeing when we, as when the season kicks off, just how tough and dangerous this pass rush can be. Looking at Trey Brown, I'm, I think you're – I think you're pretty much right with him. I think he's going to get a shot, whether it's nickelback, whether it's playing corner. He's going to. No, I, th- I don't think he'll play nickel. Oh. You don't think he'll play nickel? No, no, no. I don't think he'll play. It'll, it'll, I mean, unless they get really hurt the corner, I think he'll he'll play he'll play on the outside. I mean, it's a 17 game season, um, and guy and guys just get they just get banged up. So I I, I'm, I don't want to forecast injuries necessarily, but like I'm not expecting all 22 starters on both sides of the ball to play all 17. I'm not covered the NFL. I'm not stupid. Like guys are going to miss games and stuff like that. Guys are going to have to get their number called. Uh, I mean, that's why Trey Flowers started as a rookie 
It wasn't because that was the plan. It was because Byron Maxwell went on IR and Dante Johnson went on IR. I don't know if people even remember that, but they both went on IR and it was like, let's play this Trey Flowers kid, this fifth round pick. So, uh, and I think even Shaquille Griffin, that's how he got in the starting lineup. Jay Lane got, well, he got thrown out of a game uh, against the Packers. And then he got hurt the very next week, I think. And then it was like, all right, let's play 26, right? So Shaquille Griffin. So yeah, I think I just, I just anticipate every year guys getting there getting their number called. And I don't know who's going to be ready and who won't, but Trey gives me that, oh, you'll be ready, Phil. Same thing that Jordan Brooks gave me last year. It was like, oh. He, he bought he that. Yeah, then, so we'll see. And then lastly, I just want to, before we get to Twitter questions, I just want to touch on seeing D. Eskridge, Dwayne Eskridge out there, the Seahawks pick. Oh, first yeah, round it's pick. his debut last night. Yeah, that's fun. Pick, but yeah, he, he showed some flashes. He showed some quickness, some speed. We saw him on the jet sweep. He was able to bend the corner, picked up nine yards. He also caught a pass from Geno Smith over the middle. A little high, but he going to yeah, get it. <laughs> Geno had to get it over a linebacker, so I, I get why he put it a little high. Um, but, yeah, it was a good catch. He, he's going to be pretty electrifying, I think, this season. I I don't know numbers-wise what he's going to do, but I think he's going to have a lot of big plays within the Seahawks offense. I'm excited to see what he can do, and that's really what I have for D. I know probably people want it more, but I think you guys get where I'm going with D. I mean, he has two plays. It's not a ton. Even then, uh, give me more. What else do you think is going to happen? Punt return, kick return? He's going to be all over the field making plays. I do think he should do kick return. Oh, like that. Well, that is. He, I don't think he will. Uh, but I, I think he should, man. He is so fast. He is, hey. uh, Pete said something about D, and I think it was getting made fun of on Seahawks Twitter because everything Pete does gets made fun of on Seahawks Twitter, rightfully so a lot of the time. But he was like, I think Pete said something to the effect of D, D can really catch the ball. Um, and it was just like, well, we'd hope so. And I, I get I get that. I get both sides of it. I get why Pete says that because when you watch Pete, or excuse me, when you watch D, he does look really natural catching the ball. And it's like, it's he's an NFL receiver, right? So it's like really hard to explain what that looks like. But some guys just don't look natural doing it. He just looks like like he's so fluid. Like when he gets like he gets it, he's so good at getting it, turning and tucking the ball away in all one motion. It's not like with some dudes, people who are watching on YouTube can see me do this, but with some guys, they catch the ball and you can tell like they're thinking, like catch it, okay, secure, all right, turn that field. Like you can tell like that the clock is going and the, the repetitions they've done are teaching themselves to like, all right, I'm consciously telling myself to do these things. D just does it. You can tell it's just it's one fluid motion. Um and Pete's right at two. Also, his hands are really strong. And we saw that, uh, too, on Saturday night. And so, I mean, you probably hear that from Pete and Black. Dude, did you not think he could catch? What the hell? What kind of comment is that? But, of course, he thought he could catch. The thing is, it's like, sometimes, guys, you never know. You're projecting. The draft's a lottery ticket. You don't know what's going to hit. D, early, real, real, real early. I don't know what he's going to do as a rookie. I don't think it actually will be much early on just because their receiver room is better than, like, they have good receivers. I think Freddie's really good. So I don't know how often he'll get the ball, but he's another guy. When he does get the ball, I think he's going to do good things with it. He can make – he reminds me – I forget where I said this, maybe on the radio. When I first watched these first couple of practices, I was like, huh, this is probably how they should have used Percy. Percy was like just a gadget guy. I sent Percy Harvin, I mean. And they really should have been using him more as like, oh, you can do everything. Percy wasn't just good at one thing. He was good at everything. He was good at, like, he could throw me the ball. 
or you can just hand it to me and I'll go make something happen or just throw it to me real quick and I'll make something happen. He was like, D can be that. It might take a little bit because like I said, he's like receiver four right now. Receiver four in this offense is not getting a ton of attention, just not, or in any offense for the most part, unless you're in the air raid. So it'll take a little bit, but I'm with you. That was like a fun debut. That's the best way to put it. I had fun watching D, even if it was for 13 snaps. I was like, oh, that's fun. Let me, I want to see it again. I want <laughs> see the real thing. We want more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But let's get into our favorite time of the show, and that's Twitter questions. That means we hit up Twitter. You guys ask your questions, and we answer them here on the show. We appreciate every single one of you for taking the time to ask your questions. Mike, you ready to throw this down, man? I am. Thank you for having the shirt on during the show. Appreciate, yes, appreciate that. You didn't have a shirt on when I sent that tweet, did you? I actually had a robe on, so I did. Robe is not a shirt. So, all right, let's go. It's a robe, man. Get out of here. Robe's not a shirt. That's not a shirt. It's a robe. Whatever. It's not a shirt. That's okay. You didn't have your shirt on yesterday, so it's what it, it is. What it is. Yeah, no, it's not not the same. But go, come on, let's go. Twitter <laughs> questions. Come on. We'll kick things off with your cousin Demetrius Dugar. With Pete being scared to play starters, how many games do you think it'll take to shake off the rust? Are you finally going to retire the never kick? By the way, hell no, I'm not retired. What? Dang, what's up, cousin? Trip, man, I'm never going to retire. Never kick. Um, kicking is so dumb. Uh, Kicking in situations, as soon as you cross in the preseason, as soon as you cross your own 43-yard line, you should just go for it. I don't really care what the down and distance is. Just go for it. Even if it's fourth and 20. Screw it. Just throw up a deep ball, hope for a P.I. You know, seriously, that's just whatever. Uh, the other thing about, oh, Pete being scared to play. Pete, Pete was smart with that, man. Um, what do you ask about? Is there going to be rust? Uh, in in the games, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think they'll be fine. Look at the guys that that sat; they're not gonna be rusty. DK won't be rusty. He'll catch the ball. I mean, honestly, I don't even get how guys are rusty. Like they they warm up for two hours before the game. Jesus, like 
you practice all week, warm up for two hours before the game, do a walkthrough the night before the game, a walkthrough sometimes the morning at the hotel. Like, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. So, no, nah, I'm not worried. Kudos to Pete. Never kick, ever, ever, ever. But if you are going to kick with Michael Dixon, God damn it, he's good. That was such an amazing punt the other night. Jesus. It was like 59 yards or something. Hit the two-yard line and just bounced straight up. Great play by Aaron Fuller to keep it out of the end. Man, Michael Dixon is a monster, monster punter. But also never kick. This one is from Ryan Turner at Turns 44. The homie, by the way. Yeah, what up, Ryan? You spent most of the year last year away from the team having to do your reporting mostly from the box or and zoom interviews now that you can be back around the team what is your feel for this team what does your spider sense tell you is their identity keep killing it appreciate the love ryan spider sense that's a good pull uh hmm i don't know about the identity i am individual guys i think are becoming a little bit more comfortable with us and that has been fun um like it's just made the rapport a little stronger like damian lewis like if you watch damian lewis's press conference from like last week versus damian lewis last year it's like it seems like he just kind of came out came out of his shell a little bit um you know like guys guys know our names you know just a little i don't know how many guys know mine but it's just a different vibe to talking to someone in person versus a screen i mean i say that as someone talking to chris on the screen but uh <laughs> it's it is it, it's just a, it is a different vibe it is, a, it, is a, it is a different vibe um like this year, I thought it like I wish more of my colleagues kind of got in on the fun question asking thing. Uh, like I asked like a dozen dudes, who's the funniest person on the team, you know? And that was like a fun, I didn't. I'm not probably not even gonna do a story on it, but it's, you know, just get guys talking about stuff and you know just peel back the curtain a little bit. Um, I wish we could get in the locker room because that's when you really learn about guys. You can just talk to them off the record, you know, see what's in their locker, you know. Some dudes like keep newspaper clippings from their hometown in their locker or whatever. There's books in there. Doug always had Doug Baldwin always had books in his locker. Um, you get to get a sense for how guys dress, you know, whatever. You, you argue and debate about guys with their college teams. You know, I would always talk to guys who's played in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, just talking about Wazoo and whatever. If there's guys in the Huskies, I always talk trash, whatever. So uh, I don't know about their identity, but I do. I, just getting a feel for more different personalities has been been really 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 fun uh and i, I missed that a lot jesus zoom sucked deaf to zoom i hate i hated zooms last year but yeah I, i'm i'm just I, I do enjoy so far getting to know guys a little bit more them being able to look me in the eyes laugh talk you know whatever uh assistant coaches too uh it's an underrated one that people read a lot of my stories if you notice i quote position coaches a lot clint hurt we had on the show andre curtis secondary coach uh deshaun shed uh just i'm not solari as much but you know dave canales nate carroll the receivers coach like i try to get a feel for everyone in the organization not just everyone from the front desk lady with the, the reese's pieces jar and her you know in the front of the vmac all the way to you know Pete carroll and schneider or whatever so yeah ryan's right last year sucked 2021 and 2022 should be much better in that regard this one is from lucha vandros at leo 10 one 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 do you see the rams taking a step back with the major turnover on their coaching staff i think so a little bit just because like so much of what made them great was the philosophy that brandon staley brought to them and like brandon staley decided with his defensive scheme that i will dare you to run and not allow you to pass 
um, that was the that that's an inverse I think of a lot of coaches like Pete for example the way their cover three is set up it's an eight man front essentially uh, and so you're like you're daring the other team to pass right that's different whereas the Staley with the too high safety look was like I'll dare you to run because what you can kill me with you can hurt me with the run but you can kill me with a pass that's essentially what Brandon Staley brought to the Rams last year. And when you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and John Johnson, that works really well. Um, losing John, is it John Johnson, right? Yeah. Losing John Johnson, losing Troy Hill, losing Staley. Like, I do think those losses will matter. I think they'll take a step back. Will they still be an elite defense? Yes. Is that a problem for the Seahawks? Yes. Like, is Jalen Ramsey a problem? Like, think about it. The Rams are uniquely built to counter Seattle's two best offensive players, I would say, and DK and Russ. Like, they have Aaron Donald, the best pass rusher in the league. That's how you get to the top of the quarterback. Oh, you have the best corner in the league? That's how you stop DK. So the Rams will take a step back, but I think they're still going to be really, really good. I don't think losing Shane, as much as Shane might help the Seahawks, I don't think. Like, McVay's the brain over there. I think as long as you got McVay, if you have zero other offensive coaches, you got Sean McVay, your team's gonna score points. I really this think next, that's how it'll be over there. This next one has a couple of questions in here, and it's from Tracy. Oh, this, is who, this is who acts like four of them. It's quite a bit, Mike. So have your uh, brain fully working here. All right, here we go. What position are you most concerned with on the depth chart? Okay. Do you see Brown and Diggs holding out into the regular season? Okay. How do you rank the Seahawks in the NFC West and which team in the division do you think will be the toughest opponent? Who asked this? This is from Tracy Damar. Tracy, you're killing me. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, let's go. Okay, let's see if I can I got you. The first, one, first one was position I'm most concerned about. At the de- on the depth, yep. Mm-hmm. Depth chart. Yes. Probably center. Probably okay. center. Uh, oh. I don't know if the Ethan Posick thing last year was a is who Ethan is. Did he just have a good year? Was it just because he was healthy and playing center? His kind of natural position. What is Kyle Fuller going to bring? I'm not entirely sure that. I mean, I'm not also an expert on like center play. Center play is really intricate. Uh, and if you're not familiar with offensive line stuff, like, I mean, sure, we can all tell when a guy gets like bull rushed or something like that, but there's a lot of other details that go in into it. But like just looking at entering the season, I'm like, that's the offensive line position I'm most concerned about um everywhere else i feel kind of all right we talked about corners already so i guess yeah center i don't feel super like they they kyle's gonna start i'm sure hopefully he stays healthy and but i still don't know what a healthy kyle brings like that's where the question marks are there i'm not questioning their talent necessarily just i just don't know we haven't seen enough yet we'll see that colt's front week one is good so we'll see early if they got it and then Brown and Diggs holding out. You see that in the regular season? No, 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 no. Those guys will play. Those guys will play. They're, they're not. You're burning. You're not getting a game check. You know, unless you're like, oh, I'm hurt. But these guys know you ain't hurt. You're hurting for money. They're not the same as having an injury. It's not like Jalen Ramsey with the Jags was like, you know, guys, I hate everything about this organization. Get me out of here. But also, my back hurts. You know what? You know what'll cure my back injury, guys? Send me to LA. Sure. Back magically healed up as soon as the plane landed. So no, I think I think Quandre and and Dwayne will both be there week one. Will they be happy about being there? 
Yes and no. They definitely want new contracts. They should get new contracts. At least quantity I'm sold on a little bit more, but uh, just because of the age, not the talent. And then uh, who, um, who else? There was a, where, where is the Seahawks rank in the NFC? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. How do you rank the Seahawks in the NFC West and which team in the, division, in the NFC West do you think will be the toughest opponent? Man, this was a lot of questions built in one. Oh, I said yes and no. Quandre and Dick, Quandre and Dwayne will be out there, and they'll be happy to play with their brothers and win, compete for a championship. That way, they will be happy about. It. They will be upset about the contract part. But I think both things can like be good for the Seahawks. Ultimately, it was basically Aaron Rodgers last year. He yeah. was pissed, happy to be out there with his guys. Uh, went to the NFC title game again. Uh, the uh, the Rams will probably be the toughest matchup. They have the they have the most talent on that side of the ball. Um, like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald are probably two of the best five players in the league. Would you go would you would Chris top six? Maybe top ten easily. And oh, that's I what think they, higher, yeah, I think I think higher than that for sure. Jalen's the best corner, got the best D lineman, defensive tackle. So arguably top. I think three. Aaron's the best player in the league. So like that's they have the number one player in the league to me. Uh, Mahomes is probably two. After that, you could throw Jalen, or you can throw another, maybe a quarterback, Russ. I think Russ is a top five player as well. To be fair, uh, I think That's like I would Aaron. Have. I would have. Aaron is a top five player. I think Devontae Adams is a top five player, maybe. I would probably say Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Mahomes, Russ, Jalen, Devontae, uh, TJ Watts in there somewhere. My point is the Rams have two of the best five or six players in the league and a really good head coach. Like that, that right there is just, yeah. Unfair. But I think the Seahawks are like right there with them because they have two of the best 12 or 13 players, I think, in Bobby and Russ. So that matters too. And then I think Jamal might be like a top 20 player. And then you got to rank them. So, so I'm guessing the Rams number one, Seahawks number two. They're like 1A and 1B, uh, yeah. I, I think. Um, the, the Rams have a better O-line, I think, that matters too. I think they're better on both sides of the defensive, uh, on the trenches, so... Yeah. Perfect. Next up, we got Taylor Fowers at Taylor underscore Fowers on Twitter. My preseason receiver crush, Aaron Fuller, made a few plays on Saturday. Do you think he's done enough to make the roster? I don't. But I do think the only downside, not only, there's a couple, but the main downside I thought to not playing Russell uh, was the fact that the receivers trying to fight for jobs to just not get legitimate opportunities. They just, I mean, like, uh, said Taylor, that was the name of the person who asked that question. Uh, Taylor points out Aaron Fuller made some plays. Aaron Fuller had like four catches in the preseason or something like that. Like he didn't even really go off like that in the last couple of weeks, but it felt like it because that's how limited the throwing and catching opportunities were. Like he had two catches last night and it felt like he had a big game, right? Yeah. And that's not to like make fun of that. I'm just pointing out that a guy with two catches felt like he had a big game, right? Because receivers just did not get a lot of opportunities. Uh, I thought Geno looked good last night, but like even look at the deep balls, he was overthrowing guys, you know, anything over like 20 yards down the field. So, uh, Sean, Sean Mannion, deep ball accuracy, not really there. So 
I did feel bad for some of the receivers at the bottom of the roster there, like Aaron, like Cody Thompson, John Russell, before he got hurt, the opportunities were just not there for those guys. Um, and it was really only one spot up for grabs, to be honest. It was D DK Tyler, Freddie, and Dwayne Eswich were locks. So basically, I thought they're all fighting for Penny Hart's job. And I didn't think anybody did anything to to beat Penny. I think Aaron's like practice squad guy. Um, who, if somebody gets hurt, will probably be one of the first people called up. So he's got that going for him. But yeah, I don't think, I just don't think any of the receivers got enough opportunity. I mean, I can look up how many targets everybody had. It was not, I thought about that last night, right? In my, my observations, I, I just kind of felt bad. Uh, like the leading target guy was Kate Johnson with 14. Then Aaron Fuller had eight targets. I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. He ran 36 routes. Mm. That's not a lot in three games. That's 12 routes a game. So, uh, I just don't – I feel bad for those guys. I do. Cade, uh, Cody Thompson, all those guys. They they needed they, they needed Russ to be out there, and that just didn't didn't happen. Tony K at Karate K84. Who do you see that could be a possible trade candidate instead of just being cut? And what also what position besides corner might the Seahawks trade for or sign once teams start making cuts for their final roster? Everyone is doubling up on the questions. You guys are smart here. It's like, hey, everybody getting multiple in. Uh, let's see. First part of that was Trey Kennedy. Trey Kennedy, yep. Mm -hmm. I don't think Penny, or Rashad Penny is one. I think people are really tripping on that. I don't know how you could watch the injuries that this running back room has suffered in the past few years and think that it's ever safe to assume that you're good in your running back room health-wise. Just never do that. Shoot, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas are still nicked up. Like, don't don't do that. Uh, I think corner actually. If Trey Brown is fine, which I think he is health wise with his knee, and then Akello's fine, DJ Reed's fine, Trey Flowers is fine, Ugo and Marquise are both okay. I would, you could probably trade Demarius. You know, uh, I don't know if they will, but that's 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 a possibility. This is gonna sound crazy. Uh, tackle offensive tackle perhaps you could move you could move like Cedric Abui maybe or Jamarco uh to a team that needs a, a left if you think about it like you look at the tackle situation I mean my 53 ran roster projection it might come out by the time this podcast is out but Cedric's a swing tackle who can play right and left Cedric Abui Jamarco can play left Stone can play left Dwayne Brown can play left. That's a lot of left tackles. Um, so I don't know how many they'll keep, right? And then you got Brandon Shell. So yeah, probably you could you could you, Jamarco is a, is potential I think because Dwayne's going to play in the regular season. So yeah, Jamarco and Randall are possibilities. I think I don't think either of them will get dealt for what's worth, but. I think those are, those those are those are possibilities. I don't think Rashad Penny. I don't think trading him makes any sense. This yeah. one from J Dub at Tri Body Problem. Why did LJ Collier and Alex Collins play into the fourth quarter? Because they need to prove that they deserve playing time. Like they they're still at that point in their careers. Where Alex Collins, he's not just a fifth round pick who stuck around the whole time. He got cut before. Like they cut him. Baltimore cut like. To prove himself, he did look really good. He's really shifty. He's probably got the best feet on the team of he running had, backs, I would say. He had some cuts. I was like, God damn, boy. Woo. He, he can, he can, uh, 
he has mastered like when the you know when you get in open space you chop your feet you know like so the guy doesn't he's he's got that he gets to it so naturally uh, he's got really good feet it makes sense that he can dance really well uh so yeah. dance. let me see it uh uh, but yeah, that, LJ needs to prove something. Like I asked Clint Hurt, no, who did I ask? I asked Ken Norton. I said you got that Cheetah Rush package. Uh, what do LJ Collier and Rasheed and Green do well that allows them to thrive in that package? He was like, shoot, they ain't rushing on the edge. So if they want to play, they better get inside. That yeah. wasn't that much of a compliment. I would go as far to say that that wasn't a compliment at all. Ask what they're good at. You said you basically highlighted what they're not good at is rushing from the edge. Um, so he basically said, like, I had him somewhere. So I thought, like, LJ is still trying to prove himself. I think he will. I think he'd be fine rushing from the edge most of the year. Won't probably have the numbers people think because when you're taking on double teams a lot, you just don't get sacks unless you're Aaron Donald. So, yeah, there, there's that. But, yeah, that, that's why. They still need they're, – they're trying to prove themselves too. Especially Alex. Alex is on one-year deal, I think. You definitely need to play if you want one year deal. Michael Scott at Michael's underscore B Scott wants to know what are what are you most excited about for this upcoming season? Oh man, this is kind of vague. Like this is about me personally, or is he asking both of us, or just you, or just, just you. me, just you, just me? Mm-hmm. Traveling, probably traveling. Happy to get back on the road. I do a lot of networking on the road, just meeting other beat writers, PR staff, people, you know, just connecting. Like a lot of the guests we get on the show sometimes are people that I met on the road, you know, even if it was just once, right? Like, so it's good to just see faces, you know, talk to people, get some insight. Um, I'm going to a couple of cities I ain't been to. Houston, uh, that game will probably stink, but I've never been to Houston, so that's fun. I've never been to DC, so, and that's Monday night football uh, against the Washington football team. Yeah, a couple cities that I that I haven't uh, been to. But yeah, just the the human interaction with people on the road is is definitely fun. Hopefully, the Delta variant doesn't shut all that down. But yeah, that should be fun. and press free press box food. Free oh, press box food, guys. Yeah, especially in those cities. I hope the food's really good in those particular cities and Indy too. I've heard good things about Indy food. This one's from Ed Milson. His question is: Who is the one player? that you think is going to be an awesome surprise that no one's talking about. And he's also from Portugal. So shout out to the home that listened to us in Portugal. That's dope. From where? From where? Portugal. Portugal. Spanish-speaking country. Yeah? Do I speak Portuguese? Portuguese, Espanol, all of it. My lack of education just came right through the screen right there. That's embarrassing. Uh, Geography, not my thing. Uh, Let's see. Question was about a surprise guy. I would, it's hard that we're, to say we're not talking about so-and-so because, like, Seahawks fans are sick. So we argue about, like, the fifth, I said we, but <laughs> Seahawks fans argue about the fifth receiver every summer. So, like, we get to the nitty-gritty of everything. I would, I would, I would probably, I would steal my answer from earlier. I, th- I do think Trey, with Trey Brown, once he gets in the game, we'll, we'll show himself. I guess the other one I would I would suggest is it's, it's crazy because people are talking about him, but like I don't know how people are talking, but they don't know. I think Marquise Blair is gonna be gonna be good. I mean, people people listening is like, well, yeah, of course, like yes, but everyone's projecting because that's what we would do when you haven't seen. I've seen every practice that Marquise has had. Um, he he can do this. He he, he can do this job. 
Uh, I think he's going to be really impressive. And I mean, some of that is I've, when you talk to people who really, really are in the building, they talk about Marquise as like, no nah, guys, like this is, if you guys thought Justin Coleman 2018 was good, wait till you see Marquise play. That's how like he's regarded in the building. It's crazy. Um, and, Mark, and Justin Coleman was like the best slot corner in the league in 2018. So that's saying a lot. So we'll see. It's all, it's, you know, potential just means you haven't done anything yet. So it's only so much of a compliment. But I'm, I'm on the Marquise train early. I think he'll start week one as the nickel. This from this one's from Mike Duvall, MD underscore M Are the Seahawks married to Penny because of his draft, draft position and salary? I do think Alex looked better last night. Like I think, I think we can talk about how Alex how Alex looked without talking about Penny in a negative way. You know, like if you notice all my tweets about Alex yesterday were just like Alex is playing well. It's not just like oh Rashad stinks. Like I don't know. I, you don't have to do both. Like, but even yeah. then, I don't think any running back blew me away in the preseason. Let me look at Alex's numbers here. Alex had 19 carries for 58 yards. It's not like super great. But again, he was turning a lot of nothing into something. You know, I will say this on Rashad. Um, I really don't think the whole Chris Carson brings the thunder and Rashad brings the lightning plan. I don't think that's good. I think that's that's that sounds better than it'll actually be in like when it's implemented. Um, Rashad and Chris are different. They are different. Alex and Chris are more alike, which is why when Alex comes in, it looks more like what we're accustomed to seeing. Even Alex in the, I think he scored against the Niners in week 17, right? Like he scored against the Rams, like an opening drive in week 10. Like it just looks like the offense. I feel like the, the it seems like their expectation is like, all right, Chris is just going to batter, Chris Carson is just going to batter Ram the defense. And all of a sudden, they'll be so tired that they can't notice Rashad Penny running right by them. And he's wide open. It's like, that's not how offense works. Right. So I get the change of pace thing. I just don't, the way that they have that outlined, I just don't think is the best way to use Rashad. I just, I just don't, they're still just really kind of asking him to come in and just hit home runs. And it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. And, it, and even though the, the run game scheme has changed, I still think about, that dude, remember that dude in the Cardinals uh, when they were doing the NFL Top 100 and he was complimenting Chris Carson and he was like, yeah, the Seahawks run a vanilla scheme, so mm. all the yards that Chris Carson gets, he earns, right? And he was complimenting Chris, I think it's Corey Peters, I want to say is his name. He's complimenting Chris, but really taking a shot at the Seahawks and that was while it was uh, Shotty's offense, but Mike Solari was still the uh, OC, I believe, so or the O-line coach, so taking a dig at him as well. My point is, the scheme seems to be like, hey, man, you're going to have to make something out of nothing. And I don't know how much of that helps Rashad. I think their their offense should be a little different if that's going to be the case. So to answer the part of Mike's question, yeah, his draft, draft status matters, right? You're easier to cut when you're a seventh-round pick. Duh. Um, no matter how much they say that best players will play, sure. Uh, maybe that's the case. But no, you're – you're definitely easier to cut when you're a six-round pick versus a first-round pick. That's facts. But I do. I think in general, I think that if you're going to trade Rashad, 
that would be the argument not a talent thing it would be that like how we are going about this does not fit him i just don't think it does alex has a role between the tackles guys can get out in space make people miss run through people carson's the same way dj is your pass catcher route runner travis homer is can also catch passes but here's your best pass protector like everyone has a role you know and then there's like they just seem to be just trying to fit square peg into a round hole with Rashad's skill set with the scheme. So um, I haven't seen a ton of the scheme, obviously. I just don't feel good about it. Like, I think he could have produced Rashad a little bit more, too, in the preseason. He had 12 carries for 32 yards. Like, that's not great. Um, even if he was rushing behind backups, you know. So, yeah, I just I just don't – the fit's not there anymore. Like, that's the argument for a trade. I still don't think they should do it. But, yeah, that's I just don't think it fits. This one I, just, I, I just don't. This one is from Shiv Ramdas at name Shiv. Emergence of Ashari Croswell and development of Ugo at safety. Has that had any impact on Quandre's extension? No, 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 no. Remember I said earlier, the difference between Quandre and the other dudes is big. Quandre's nice. He's nice. When you're a free safety, you need to, they need to believe in you. Like, you got to know your stuff. Like that was probably the first thing that Pete said was the difference between when they traded for Quandre versus having Tedrick. He was like, hey, we got a guy back there who knows ball. That was essentially what he would say a lot. And I thought that was very telling. It was like, it'll help Bobby, it'll help all these guys to just have someone back there who knows their stuff. So uh, Crosswell didn't get a, a lot of chances to show himself in the preseason. Um, I got to watch the All-22, which is not available to me right now game pass is tripping took all 22 out so i can't see the full film stupid uh so i have to go i'd have to go back and watch that to see ashari but even ugo marquise i think quandre is the guy and the gap between him and everyone else is very large so yeah i don't think any of that impacts his contract situation this one's from mike at coffee dad 11 you control the dj booth at lumen during pregame what are we listening to thank you for taking all the hard questions uh yeah thanks for the question mike uh got a lot of dudes named mike asking questions today um i don't know how to answer this so uh remind me this mike uh, if you listen to the show remind me chris will probably remind me too i have a playlist that i play when we like because chris and i play flag football together on saturdays um and i bring a huge speaker every time so and I, I play music while we're playing i have a, I have a playlist on there uh it's it's got a lot of trap music and stuff like that you know doug future drake who makes trap rap somehow uh yeah migos uh nle chopper ton of people uh so i'll i'll share the playlist uh I, or i can just yeah I, can, I don't know we'll figure that out chris i have a playlist. it runs for about two hours it's a big playlist a lot of good songs in there. I would have that place rocking. But to be fair, DJ Super Sam does play a lot of the music that's on my list. He does. There it is. This he plays from, a lot of he plays a lot of slaps. This one is from Chris Lee at Chris Lee one one seven. Daryl Taylor looking like he's taking a new step, although he played against the backups. How do you see his game this season when going up against starters? Did we just go from listeners named Mike and a listener named Chris? Wow, that was impressive. That was think of that. Yeah, that was cool. When you said it, I was like, what? what are you making these names up? Uh, but 
Uh, actually, Daryl Taylor did go against some starters uh, against the Broncos, and I think that was probably his quietest game. Uh, he he had a missed tackle in open space. I think it was against Royce Freeman. Um, didn't get a lot of pressure on Teddy Bridgewater when the starters were in. No one on the front line did, to be fair. So I think we I think we got a really good sample of Daryl Taylor. He was really he had some really good moments against Raiders backups and Chargers backups. It took a little bit longer to flash against the Broncos starters. So I actually, the best way I can probably put this is uh, I talked to our Tennessee writer named David Oven. Shout out, David. Uh, really good college football writer. Go follow him at The Athletic. I remember because he covered uh, Daryl for a couple years in Tennessee. And one year, Daryl had eight sacks. I think it was a junior year. I think it was like second in the SEC behind like Josh Allen in Kentucky or something. Josh was, was a first-round pick. Uh, seven of those sacks came in the course of two games. I believe it was against Georgia and Kentucky. And that was like part of the context going into Daryl's senior year, which he had eight and a half sacks. And the, of the point that David made that I thought was interesting, he was like, if Daryl's better than the other team's tackles, he is going to ball. Like, he is going to ball. Getting four sacks in one season, or one game, that's ridiculous. So he's going to ball. If the talent is equal, or if he's not as good, he will, he will, you will have times that you won't notice him. That was kind of his read on it. And that's just, I didn't, I don't have to watch Tennessee film. That's just kind of my read. So I thought that was an interesting point. And I could see that being how his rookie season goes. Like, for example, the Colts left tackle was out, right? Sam something. I think he, he what did he hurt? His knee, Achilles. I just woke up and saw it, something like that. Um, if Daryl goes up and gets a backup left tackle against Indy, I think he will play well. And then if he goes up against uh, who's a good left tackle on their schedule, uh, Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, Whitworth against the Rams. There we go. Or even the Niners, uh, Trent Williams. I could see him having a very, very quiet day rushing the passer against guys like that, which is fine as a rookie, which he essentially is. But I thought that was an interesting point by David. It probably like illustrates best what we're going to see from Daryl. Like when you got when he's when the talent is like, and he's like, oh, you 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 should get by this guy. He'll get by that guy. Like the guy he blew by yesterday to get for, to get the sack is like Trey Pipkins, their backup tackle, right? So he's better than that guy. I want to see him do that against like Rashawn Slater, their new tackle. So that that's actually the best way I can put it on on, on Daryl. When he has the advantage, he'll definitely take advantage, and then his next step will be like, all right, this dude is a stud across from you. Can you still get to the quarterback? And I think that's where Frank Clark eventually got in his development because Daryl reminds me of Frank in a, in a lot of ways especially with their get-off and explosion, the way it can bend. You see how he bent and dipped and got the quarterback? That was really good. Uh, Frank got to the point where, like, he would go against dude from Dallas or even Dwayne Brown or whoever, Jason Peters, and was just like, no, nah, I'm going to get to the quarterback because I'm that dude. Um, eventually, I think Daryl should get there. But he'll he'll just be kicking ass when he's better than the other dude, I think. That's going to be how his rookie year goes. Why don't the Hawks truly desire to upgrade the center position? And this is from Chuck Warner at Chucko24. I, I, I recognize that handle. What up? Um, there just aren't good centers out there. I mean, think about it. Like, someone tweeted me last week or something. Like, Why don't they sign a center? I said, from where? From where are you supposed to, you're supposed to go to Costco and find a center? It's just, you can't. It's, it's very hard. Uh... You pay. You can try to pay for them, but you're going to end up paying crazy amounts. Um, 
They should have went and got Corey Lindsay, though. I thought that was a mistake. I think they could have afforded that, backloaded the contract when the salary cap goes up and made it happen. I'm pretty sure Corey Lindsay's like cap hit this year ain't that much different than Ethan Potek's cap hit this year. Probably the same. Actually, I'm gonna look that up. But that's that's what that's why. Um, as you read the next question, I'm gonna look that up. But there just aren't a lot of good centers out there. I think that's the the short version of it. We're gonna get back to the Chris's. This is from Chris Leeper at Rosebug underscore twenty two. Well, we Seahawks... have a million people named Chris <laughs> and Mike. Don't play with me. <laughs> if the Seahawks don't make it to the NF. C title game this year does Russ force his way out ooh this is a juicy question okay so Lindsay's cap number is 6-6 six, six this year but Ethan's is like 3 either 2 or 3 so it's double but that's still not a big cap number 6.6 uh, 6 is pretty doable this year Um, okay Russ no Russ is not going to force his way out I don't think he can actually really because he has no leverage we talked about this on the radio too uh russ is always going to show up and perform he'll never not show up to work he'll always show up to work and play well he'll always be dedicated he'll always like do the extra work stay late come early work with his teammates after film study like he's so dedicated to winning that even if he is upset while he's doing it he'll be just he'll do it and be upset so it's very similar to aaron Rodgers. aaron Rodgers didn't have no damn leverage uh what, they, what was he going to do? Retire? And go host Jeopardy? No. No. He wasn't. But the Packers were like, dude, we got a game week one. You playing or not? He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll play. All right. Well, then, yeah, show up. Like, that's like, did it get messy and ugly? And will it get messy and ugly next offseason if they don't make the title game? Yes. Will there be some subliminals on Twitter and interviews and leaks and reports? I hope so. That's good content. But, like, I don't think the only thing that could happen to force – I want to put it this way. I think I don't think there's a scenario in which Russell forces a trade. If Russell forces anything, I think it would be force a head coaching change. That would be the only thing. And I think even that's a long shot because that means he has to basically just like storm into Jody Allen's office and be like, yo, get this guy out of here. But even then, she could be like, or what? Right? Because he'll still show up. So, it's just going to get ugly, I think. It'll be, next year will probably be like a worse, even worse version of what happened with the Packers, where it's just ugly, clearly a bunch of infighting that becomes public. Like, that's what's going to happen. I don't know if it forces Russ to demand a trade. And if he does, I'm not trading Russ because I want to win championships. So he has no leverage. This one is from DeFran at Mike underscore DeFran. Thoughts on Bro, you're making these names. There's no way everyone's name is Mike and Chris. What's going on here? I kid you can go look at these Twitter questions. You can that's true. They did, yeah. I could, I will, I will. (laughs) But he wants to hear your thoughts on the play of Josh Johnson from Saturday night's game. Josh Johnson, oh, the running back. Um, man, how do I do this without raining on everyone's parade? I'm gonna just pull up Josh's numbers from the preseason. Josh had 20, hit 23 carries, 74 yards. He had, he produced the second lowest expected points. That's EPA on his rushes. He had the second lowest success rate uh, of all the running backs. The lowest was, uh, I believe, 
Rashad Penny. He, yeah, 30%. And then he produced his t- his first down per rush percentage was pretty low. It was about the same as Alex Collins, which is fine. Dang, Penny's was really low too. Rashad only rushed for one first down in the preseason. That's not great. And Josh's longest run was nine yards. So, I mean, so I bring all that to point up that like, I know we want to get hype about guys at the bottom of the roster. There's a big anti Rashad Penny movement going on, whether it's consciously or subconsciously in Seahawks land, Twitter fan base, everyone's out on Rashad. I think that's a little unfair, but I say that all that to say, Josh is the perfect candidate for the practice squad. There's a reason why there are 16 spots it's for guys like Josh. Something happens, call him up. Hey, Josh, we need you to play. So I think that's where it's at. I, I just, yeah, I tried to use the numbers. I don't you know, I don't know Josh, probably a fine kid, but it's just like 23 carries and 74 yards and of really bad expected points produced on his runs, which basically measures like the effectiveness of the runs, like the successes. Did they gain a lot of yards? on the certain down and distance, like a successful run on second and one picks up a first down, for example, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm just not, they're good at running back. Let's put it that way. Holly Winters at Holly Winters. How many quarterbacks do the Seahawks keep on the 53? If they go with two, do you think they scour for one for their practice squad? Um, I would, they're going to keep two. There's really no point with that. Uh, more than that, I don't. I think I don't really know or care. I mean, guys, the fact. I mean, go look at the guys who've been on the practice. Uh, this is, I, yeah, I say guys. Uh, Holly, um, but the practice squad quarterbacks are not like if you're the, if we're to the point where you're, you're calling up that dude, you're screwed. Like I think the panic button. So I, I really don't read too much into who's on the practice squad. Maybe they sign a guy. Maybe they don't. I don't think it matters. If their quarterback is not Russ at any point in 2021, we're all screwed. Shoot, my subscriptions will start going down. People, viewers on the show will start going down. I swear, it just won't be, it'll be bad. Russ is so good for business. Uh, so that's, yeah, they're going to keep Geno and Russ. Like the suspense is not, they're going to keep Geno and Russ, maybe keep Sean Mannion on the practice squad. Sean Mannion might want a backup job somewhere else, perhaps. Uh, but I think he would have needed to perform better in the, preseason to to get that opportunity so yeah i wouldn't put too much energy into like the practice squad quarterback the seahawks are caring about their practice squad quarterback problem big problem our last question comes from ben worflin at ben underscore worflin 15 he's curious where do you see marquise blair fitting into the defense to kick the season off oh yeah like i said earlier i think he'll start at nickel i think he's Ugo's not bad at nickel. I really don't like Ugo's actually good, I think. Like, um, he's really quick. Um, he's usually in the right positions, which is important at his spot. You could tell, like, he's the, the speed of the, you can t- I could tell when it slowed down for Ugo. I really could. Like, it was very obvious. Like, going back and looking at some of his tape, you could tell, like, oh, he knows where, like, like, I remember, I guess the question about Marquise, but. Um, I'll get to him in a second. I talked about him earlier too. But like, I remember the um, Ugo against like the Cowboys was just like, you could tell he was so 
aware of what his assignment was. That was his first start last year. And like, he was like faking Dak out at the line and then dropping. And it took away Dak's first read because Ugo knew where the read was coming from. And then like, he does it again. And then Dak adjusts and then Ugo comes on the blitz. And it's just like, oh, okay. See, you're playing mind games with the quarterback. Now you're at that point of your career. Like you could see, and then he had like a, a pass breakup in that same like sequence. Uh, two against the Cowboys in week three last year. And that's against a really good quarterback in Dak. Um, and that was just a small, like, he didn't make any plays, I don't think, other than that PBU, but I was watching him and could just be like, wow, you got a feel for the game. That said, I think Marquise is just a different talent. I think he's faster, stronger, uh, better athlete, just like overall. I mean, there's a reason why one guy was picked a little higher, I think, just because the athleticism is there. Marquise hits like a freaking brick. I mean, even look at the play, uh, Cody's inner uh, – fumble force last night his sack like marquise just, just goes into a guard just shoulder in just bang offensive guard like man uh i think marquise is gonna be really i think he's gonna be really good and it's gonna be a couple times this year where he like decapitates someone it probably get flagged for it but it'll be really fun to see i'm mad we weren't there when he decapitated dude against the broncos remember because we were in florida when that happened uh when he killed dude on the broncos uh, but yeah, no, I think Marquise is going to be solid. That's why, I mean, overall as a secondary, and since the last question, I'll throw this out there. If you're starting secondary is a killer with a spoon, DJ Reed, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Marquise Blair. Like I can see why Pete's like, all right, we're good. Like I, I, I do think that like, is that a great secondary? I don't think so. But I, I think that Seahawks could do something similar to like a lesser extent of like the 2012 Niners where their strength was the front and the linebackers, and then they're like their safeties were really good, and the corners were just a bunch of guys. I can't remember the corners' names from that team, um, and they went to Super Bowl. So they had they had all pros on that team, so maybe not exactly the same. But I think the Seahawks will have two all pros and Bobby and Jamal. So that's that usually means you have a good defense. There it is. Ooh, that was a lot of questions. Oh boy, Are we over an hour. Drink you some water, man. There I know I need it. I just see him drinking water on the show. You use nobody ever sees me drink water. Last time I was drinking beer, I <laughs> water this time. Well, we want to thank you guys for all the Twitter questions. We appreciate the love and support. Man, the next time we do a recap with Twitter questions, it will be after the Seahawks' first game. Now that I think about it, we might be able to do a mailbag or something like that no, for Labor Day. The recap. That's what I'm really pointing out. The fact. Oh that yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be real. Hopefully, it's one and zero. And not 0 and 1 or 0 0 and 1, which means they tie the first game. If they go 0 and 1 to start, we're going to have a lot of Twitter questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe it's just a Twitter yeah. questions episode. And we, uh, we yeah, it two. might be. It <laughs> might be if they, if they lose to the Colts, boy. We also got to get the homie Stephen Holder, um, covers the Colts for us at the athletic. We got to get him on before that. So, oh, that's not a problem. We got, we got time. We'll get it done. Mike, anything you want to add before we get out of here? I just appreciate all the questions, man. Especially Tracy. Tracy gave us what? How many questions did Tracy ask in one tweet? Four. 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 Yeah. That's got to be a record. I don't think anybody's ever asked four. Well, I, see, now you put now you put that out there. Someone's gonna be like, "Oh, I got you." No, hey, no, that is not a challenge to somebody <laughs> to ask us five questions in one tweet. Like, that, I just thought that was, and I'm not mad or anything. That was great. That was four decent questions too. So, if you're gonna ask a lot of questions in one tweet, make sure they're good questions. So. Good questions that actually, you know, talk about something specific or get into something, not just like, what are your thoughts on? I'll answer those too, but like, I like the, you know, give us something. 
I thought Ryan's question was really good. Um, so stuff like that. But yeah, we appreciate all the questions. I like you say every time. It's my favorite part of the show. We can talk about whatever we want, but I like to give the people what they want. That's what we're here for. You know, that's why we got these expensive microphones and I'm using a ring light. Like, we got all this stuff for it. <laughs> Not to just see each other. I can go to your house, Chris. I like to give the people what they want. So exactly. hopefully I enjoy it. All right. Well, we will catch you guys later. We'll be back on 950KJR tomorrow, Monday. So oh, if you're Monday, via yep. radio, tune in from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We will have you covered. We'll be talking more Seahawks stuff as they wrapped up their final preseason game, as they get ready for their first matchup, first week one matchup against the Indianapolis Colts over there in Indianapolis. And Mike will be on the road for that. So travel safeties for Mike. But other than that, we will catch you guys later. We out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.